Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Yo, yo, Tamara here, back with another Friday wrap-up. I just wanted to start by saying thank you to everybody out there who's given me feedback on both the Everyday Innovator interviews, but also the Friday wrap-up. I'm so glad you're getting so much value out of our new format of the five podcasts a week, four interviews, one wrap-up. If you're new to this, let me just set the stage for what the wrap-up is all about, the purpose of the Friday. On Friday, I review the four Everyday Innovators that I have interviewed during the week and the main aha or insight that came out for me. Now, the reason I do this isn't actually for me, it's for you, because I want you to really think about the insights that you learned. And if you missed one and it speaks to you, I want you to go back and listen to it. I put the links in the description in the show notes, of course, back to the interviews and they're from this week, so they're easy to scroll back and find. But I want us all to bridge that gap between knowing and doing. And so what I'm going to talk about is not just the aha that I learned in those interviews, but also what action I took or how it made me rethink something. Just like you, I am learning so much with these interviews. It's so, it's really an honor to interview all these incredible people. And this week was no different. We had a very diverse set of people. We had Keith Renanson, who is a TRIP advisor, and what TRIP is is tenacity, resilience, imagination, and purpose. He got lost in Nepal once, and this has turned into a whole thing. He built an assessment. He's a really cool guy. So we start with Keith on Thursday. I'm going backwards. We had Enrico Rubio, who is the founder of Hacking HR. We had Keith Belling, who is the founder of Right Rice, which is kind of an alternative vegetable-based rice. And we had Tommy Bagwell, who is a co-owner of a salon. So very different people, right? We got someone in salon, someone in food, someone in human resources in the corporate world, and Keith, who is a speaker slash coach. And very different innovator styles, and I'm going to dig into those. By the way, if you don't know your innovator style, I highly encourage you to go to our website, go to launchstreet.com, G-O-T-O, launchstreet.com, all one word, link is in the show notes, and go click on the link to take the assessment yourself. It is so amazing what happens to someone when they understand how they are naturally wired to innovate. And we all have it, by the way. Some of us have just unfortunately fallen into this trap of believing that we're not innovators or making it hard on ourselves by doing it in a way that doesn't actually work for how we're naturally wired. What this assessment tells you, and is proprietary and research-based, is it tells you your unique style of innovation, your unique everyday innovator style, so that you can strengthen your creative problem solving, your strategic thinking, your decision making, It's the foundation for all of that. And so important that you understand how you are naturally wired to do that. It's like going to the gym and doing an exercise equipment that you're good at. Doesn't that feel amazing? And then you get stronger and stronger. And then that kind of ripples out to everything else that you do. The brain is like that too. So go to our website, take the IQE, take the frustration, the heavy lifting, the hard work, 
out of your day-to-day. When people take the IQED assessment, Innovation Quotient Edge, what they tell us is that they perform at their peak more. They're more in the state of flow. We give you exercises, by the way, on how to even get into that state. They find more innovative ideas and solutions around them. They see opportunities where they didn't even see them before. They understand how they connect with other people who are different than them. So it's a stronger collaboration and they have a stronger, more valued voice in the world. So go to our website, take it. I want to start before I dig into the interviews with an experience I had once that I was reminded of this week. And the story is about the power of active listening and really being present in the conversations that you're having. I think so many of us, and part of that is underlying stress. Part of that is we're just, we're trying to multitask, which we know doesn't work, but we're not present. And when we're not present, we're missing the mark. I think the other mistake that we make, and this is what this story really highlights, is not only was I not present, but I was so insistent on my way of doing things or how I thought my idea should be presented to the world that I missed how other people were communicating back to me. So we were crossing wires the whole time. Here's what happened. When I was 23, I lived in New York City and I was in advertising at a a top advertising agency. It was the number two globally. And at that point, with a whopping 18 months under my belt, I had an idea. Now, this idea came from experience. So I lived on the Upper East Side. My work was in Midtown. So every day I would get up, I would pass all these shops, go down to the subway, come back up in Midtown and pass a whole nother street of shops. Now, if you've ever been to New York City or you live there, you know the streets of New York are cutthroat. Like those stores are everywhere. The competition is fierce for people's attention. People are busy. They are going somewhere. They got other things on the mind and your shop has got to grab their attention. I think that's a little bit like real world. In fact, I think it's a lot like real world and the, any industry, any of us are in any level of work that any of us are in, the competition is fierce and we got to figure out how to stand out. But here's what I noticed on going on the subway and walking around New York City every day is every, oh, maybe three to six months, those shops would change over. So what was once a bookstore, then was a clothing store, and then it was an electronics store, and then it was a restaurant, then it went to a bakery, and then it went back to an electronics store. The churn was incredible in New York City. And so I'm sitting up there in my cubicle on the 12th floor, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got 18 months of marketing experience advertising experience from the big dogs, I know I'm going to go open up a marketing firm and I'm going to help these small shops stay in business. They need marketing help. These guys clearly know their product, right? They're people who love clothing or love cupcakes. So they open up a shop, but they don't know how to market themselves to stand out on these cutthroat streets of New York. So with one month's rent and a subway token, because that's how old I am to my name, I set up shop with my good friend in my apartment with no air conditioning in August. Not sure that was the wisest thing I've ever done. So my friend and I, we mapped out New York City. We mapped out all the neighborhoods that have kind of these clusters of shops, which is a lot in New York. And we started to pound the pavement every single day. We went into shops. We'd say, hello, we're from the Insight Group, and we can help you with customer retention and loyalty programs, and we can dial up your brand loyalty. You know what we got every single time we did that? A whole lot of nothing. For two months, 
I pounded the pavement every single day and got kicked out of every single shop. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. I couldn't believe it. So after two months, my rent was due. I needed to go get a job. And I got a job at a brand strategy and innovation firm that I'm now very thankful that I got. But back then, I did it out of necessity. So I've got two weeks until my job starts. And I'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment. I decide that I'm going to hit the one last neighborhood I haven't gone to. One last neighborhood just to close it all out, mark it out, and be done with this. So I go over and I go into my first shop and I say, hi, I'm Tamara. Um, I can help you bring more customers into your store. Maybe they'll buy more stuff and maybe even bring their friends. I heard something I hadn't heard the entire time. The shop owner leaned over to me and said, tell me more. I didn't know what to do, you guys. I backed out of the store and went running down the street. No joke. I had no clue. I'd never heard that. I wasn't expecting to hear that. But do you see the difference in what happened there? When I walked into that store, I spoke their language. In all the other stores that I'd gone into, I spoke my big corporate language to small shop people. The language is different. It's not about one being better, not at all, actually, but they are different. And I was trying to push my language onto them. And I wasn't present enough to realize that they weren't hearing it. They didn't understand what I meant with all that big jargon and acronyms and, you know, the stuff that worked when I was working with Procter & Gamble and General Mills and those guys, right? Of course, it makes sense there. We all speak the same language. Had I just changed my language, I would have had a very different outcome. If you're out there trying to push an idea forward, trying to move a business forward, trying to work a solution forward, think about your language and the language of the people on the other side of the table from you, whoever it is that you want to buy your idea. Are you present enough to hear what they're saying? And are you confident enough to let go of whatever language that you would use to describe your idea or talk about the benefits and start to really think about the language they use. That makes all the difference. If you change your language, you change your outcomes. I can tell you, it's funny, I haven't thought about this in a while. I have never had sore feet the way I had them when I was trying to make the Insight Group work and I was pounding the pavement of New York City. I don't think I understand understood good footwear at the time. And oh man, geez. Ouch. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. 
We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. All right, let us dig into now all of these incredible everyday innovators. And I'm going to start with Monday and work my way up. And Monday was Tommy Bagwell, who's the salon owner. He's an experiential risk taker. So experiential, all about innovation in motion, innovating by doing and actually playing with stuff. Innovators really need to tinker and develop. That's how they innovate. And risk takers are all about leaping and being bold and actually innovating better when there's higher pressure and more, more of a sense of lack of comfort. So experiential risk takers bring tangible, bold innovation to the table. Tommy said something that, and it was in reference to just how do you innovate and move forward, especially when things are really challenging. He really shared a lot of what happened through the last two years, which is you can imagine if you own a salon where people need to come in to get their hair cut, he's been through the ringer in the last couple of years. But he said something that I thought was really powerful. I asked him, what's a big win or something you're proud of? And I got a response back I wasn't expecting. He said, you know, Tamara, I don't, I don't think it's about the big wins for me. I think it's about the small wins, just the little things that just keep you going and just being okay with like, all right, my head's above water today. Like I, I'm okay. I've got some small wins under my belt. That is good enough. And the way he talked about it really made me realize that I think we often forget about that. We forget about the small wins. And I don't just mean the small wins as milestones getting to your big wins. I really mean like Tommy was talking about, about just the little things that check, I'm okay today. Check, I got it done today. Check, I'm moving forward today. We're always chasing the big wins, or at least I am. I know that I lose sight of the little wins and just the things that are like, yeah, tomorrow you're you got one foot in front of the other. And, and maybe today that's all you can give, or maybe that's enough. And we lose sight of all that, or again, at least I do. Also, here's the other thing he made me realize. The little wins give us momentum. They give us confidence to keep going. Tommy's story was really powerful when he started to talk about that. And I hope you'll go back and listen to that one. But I really started to think about the little wins and having more gratitude and more ownership of the little wins because that momentum and that confidence builds up. It has compounding interest over time. So I hope that you will never lose sight of all the small wins and that you're keeping a marble jar or a sticky note check mark or whatever it is, but something that just lets you mark all those down and see how they add up. Never lose sight of the small wins. 
All right, Tuesday, we have Keith Belling, who is the founder of Right Rice, which is an alternative to rice. It's like a vegetable-based rice. And Keith is a tweaker instinctual. So tweaker is all about editing and adjusting and innovations just one little tweak away. They're all about tinkering. And instinctuals are all about connecting the dots in new and meaningful ways. It's all about taking that information, but seeing the insights and the patterns. They have a much more circuitous path to them in terms of way that they think. So tweaker instinctuals bring, the tweaker brings optimized, the instinctual brings connective. So optimized connective innovation to the table. And you can really see it in what he does. Keith talked about paying attention to put what people want but don't have. If you look at his career and the stories that he was sharing about the multiple very successful products he's bought to market, the common theme between all of them is, well, first he had the frustration. I want rice, but I don't want the carbs. I want a snack, but without the unhealthy side of it. But he also talked about listening to his friends and colleagues and people in the marketplace talk and really hearing what people want but don't have. And I think that's a great insight for innovation, for moving forward, for success in general. And I think it applies internally and in the marketplace. Listen to the conversations around the table. Listen for those frustrations that no one has answered, or maybe even that people around the table has just, they've accepted it because nobody knows how to solve it, or it's just, you know, part of doing business. I find if you solve those frustrations, you win everybody over. And listening to Keith talk about paying attention to what people want but don't have, it made me open my eyes and ears just a little bit more. I think I'm pretty good at doing that generally. I'm kind of always listening for those nuggets of pain or opportunity or gaps. But I think he dialed it up a little bit. And in fact, just the other day after after interviewing Keith, I was in a new business meeting for a company that wants to purchase the IQE, the assessment for a large team. And I was asking them questions about their culture, why innovation is important to them right now, what resistance they might have, how we want to roll it out, et cetera. And as they were talking, there was about six of them, they kept mentioning this other pain point that had nothing to do with the deployment of the assessment, but I kept hearing it just in little nuggets in the conversation. So by the end of the conversation, I asked them about it. Guess what? I had a solution for them. And it's not in my wheelhouse, but I have a partner that I can bring in to solve this for them. Boom. Listen, pay attention to what people want to solve. How great is that? Now to do that, you have to do what we were talking about in the beginning and be present. So make sure you are fully present so that you're really hearing and even seeing the opportunities around you so you're not missing them. What I'm finding is those little nuggets of frustration all add up to one big cluster that you can figure out, that you can solve, that there's an opportunity in there. Pay attention to what people want but don't have. What do your leaders wish they had a solution for that they don't have? What do your customers really want but can't seem to find out a solution for? What people want but don't have. That's a very powerful place to play. Next up is Enrique Rubio, who's a risk taker instinctual. So the risk taker is all about bold, uncomfortable, innovating in a place that's a little bit more when the pressure is on. And the instinctual is about a more circuitous gut thought path. It's like they think A to B to X over to Y, back to A over to L. Because of that, they're connecting dots in different ways. 
So the risk taker all about being uncomfortable and the instinctual all about connection. So Enrique brings bold, connective innovation to the table, and he's really leveraged that in his world. Now, go back and listen to Enrique's story about being in human resources in the corporate world and really realizing that that machine that is human resources needed to change and evolve. And if you've ever dealt with human resources, you know that it can be a very layered bureaucratic by the book department, or it can be super innovative and meet the need of the people that they serve. And Enrique is all about pushing that into the future and pushing human resources as a, a total industry into the future. It's why his company is called Hacking HR. The thing that he talked about that really spoke to me was when he was I, I was asking him about resistance and I was saying you must get a lot of resistance. You know, you're trying to like totally disrupt an industry that must you must get a lot of that back. And he said something that I thought was really valuable for all of us to hear, which is he talked about how he feels that his job isn't just to say, hey, either you get it or you don't, which I know I've been guilty of that, but to help those people around him see the future and actually work to not leave those people behind, to show them what they're capable of and how they can have a part in this future and what's coming. And he talked about how oftentimes he finds that resistance is fear, fear of being left out, fear of being irrelevant, fear of not understanding the change. So he sees his job as someone trying to disrupt, not to shake up and shake people out, but to actually bring them along and show them their part in the future. I thought that was so incredibly cool. And it really made me realize that sometimes I might just be leaving people behind and maybe I should take a different approach. Now he did talk about, and I absolutely agree that look, not everybody's going to be on board and that's totally okay. But his point was, if you paint the picture and then you think about how do I help these people move into the future with me, you'll get more momentum and more success. If you run into a lot of brick walls, you got to figure out how to bring those walls down. You can't do that if everybody is a no. Some of those people need to move to a yes. And here's the other thing. What good is an idea if you can't execute on it? We need other people to do that. So I love his view. Let me help you see you, the person with the fear, let me show you how you fit into this glorious future that I'm painting. And I would encourage you to really think about doing the same. I'd encourage you to think about helping people move to the future with you. All right, last but not least is Keith Renanson, who is the TRIP advisor, so Tenacity, Resilience, Imagination, Purpose. He has a whole system around that. And he talked about how we actually, he built this assessment to make something that's very fluffy and subjective tangible. And he's a futuristic collaborative. So futuristics are all about 10 steps ahead, forest through the trees, what's next, taking today's problem and turning them into tomorrow's opportunities. And the collaborative is all about connecting disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation, like pulling all those pieces to create that puzzle picture. So as a futuristic collaborative, he brings forward whole innovation to the table. Before I dig into Keith, I just want to point out how different all of them are. Not just their style, but the value and how they're hardwired for innovation. So Keith is forward whole innovation. Enrique is bold connective innovation. Keith is optimized connective innovation. And Tommy is tangible and bold innovation. Totally different, right? Each of them are so valuable in their own way. Just like you, just like me, just like all the people around us. All right, so Keith. Keith said something that really spoke to me. He said the decision 
to get stuff done happens the night before, not the day of. And he's talking about how he makes a list of all the things he has to do the night before. Such a simple but powerful reminder of something that I actually stopped doing. I used to do that every day. I would make a list as I was closing out work of all the things I need to get done the next day, all the things that were on my mind. And somehow I got away from it. And I got back to it after that interview. And here's what I realized. When I do that, when I make that list at the end of the previous day, like if I make my list today, it clears my mind for the evening. It helps me close out the work and transition to my home life, to my kids, to my hobbies, to whatever it is. But it helps me make that transition. It clears my mind. And it gives me confidence going into the next day. I know what I need to do. So I'm not spinning my wheels. That confidence means that I have more room to innovate, to be creative, to think strategically. Because like I said, I'm not spinning my wheels trying to figure out what I need to do, how I need to do it, what time I'm going to do it. I've already figured all that out. And I can actually see how the pieces all come together in my tasks. So that decision that happens the night before is important. I always talk about that when it comes to the gym, that my decision to go to the gym actually happens the night before. It happens when I set my alarm. It doesn't happen in the morning because if we're up to me in the morning, I'd never have enough sleep. I'd never feel awake enough and I'd never go. The decision happens the night before. Well, the same is true with innovation and work. The decision happens the night before. So make a list. Get it. Clear your head for the evening and for the next day and give yourself that confidence rolling into the rest of the week. Love that advice. What a great reminder. Okay. Wow. Woo. Incredible interviews this week. As always, I feel like every week is so good. I'm so impressed with all the people that we're having on and the connections of connections that are bringing new people on. And hey, if you're out there thinking, you know what, Tamara, I'm an everyday innovator. Reach out. We would love, love to have you on. I know you're the person that should be on. What's that innovative way that you're tackling your problems or solving your work situations or going after opportunities or just managing your day? As you can tell from these interviews, and as Tommy reminded us, it's not always the big things. In fact, more often than not, it's all the little things that have compounding value. Never forget that, the power of compounding value. I think that uh, Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. He's so right. All right. Have a great weekend. With that, Tamara, out. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.